0: Hey everybody, I'm Logan Camden.
1: I'm Carson Brubber.
0: And this is Nerd Session. No!
1: Oh my God, how could he do that?
0: Are oh you on G- Don't what? You?
1: what? Charles Darwin. All right, so today we're going to be sticking with the theme that we started last week when we talked about the top 10 NFL draft classes of all time. Today we're going to be talking about the top 10 NBA draft classes of all time. I'm really excited for this one. I think that obviously there's a top three of all time that come to everyone's mind, but I think that there is a very solid 10 to work with here. And Logan, I'm interested in who you have at number 10.
0: Number 10, I have the 2011 draft class. And this class, I mean, in recent memory, has a lot of the stars of today's NBA. First pick, Kyrie Irving. Uh, ninth pick, Kemba Walker. Eleventh pick, Klay Thompson. Kawhi Leonard. Jimmy Butler. The depth here is why the 2011 class is ultimately not any higher for me because there's just a comparative to definitely some of the top three classes, if you as you mentioned. The depth in the 2011 class is not nearly as good. You have Players like Nikola Vucevic and Isaiah Thomas are the only ones worth a mention. But when it comes to the stars of today, the 2011 class produced a lot of them and a lot of players with dynamic uh, skill sets is what I'm trying to say. I mean, these guys are superstars.
1: Yeah, I think that although we're not as deep into the career of of this 2011 draft class with these guys... I think that it deserves to be even a couple spots higher because there are guys on this list who have done really historically significant things, who have contributed to titles. If you're looking at Kawhi, a finals MVP, Kyrie, a dude who averaged 25-plus in the finals, Klay Thompson, you know, a guy who led the 2016 playoffs in scoring. Those are great players. And I think that there is good depth from non-All-Stars. You have guys like... Tobias Harris, Bojan Bogdanovich, Enes Kanter, Valanchunas, the Morris Twins, Kenneth Farid, Nikola Miritich, Reggie Jackson, Chandler Parsons, Davis Bertans. So I think that that draft is even better. And I think that at the end of their careers, we might have it even a couple spots higher. My number 10 is from this same modern era. I have the 2008 draft class, which to me was a, a bit of a tier below my number nine and above. I kind of had a, a separate tier for this one, but Still some really great players. Seven All-Stars, 22 combined All-Star appearances across them. You have first pick Derrick Rose, fourth pick Russell Westbrook, fifth pick Kevin Love, 10th pick Brooke Lopez, 17th Roy Hibbert, 35th DeAndre Jordan, and 45th Goran Dragic. And then you have a lot of really quality players. Danilo Gallinari, Eric Gordon, Robin Lopez, Ryan Anderson, Courtney Lee, Sergi Baca, Nick Batum, George Hill, Pekovic, who was good for a couple years there, Chalmers, who was a starter on championship teams, Lucan Mute, who I think had a bit of a resurgence in the era when you know, that 3 and D skill set started to be valued a little bit more, although he doesn't really have the 3, but he has the D. And so, this, is,
0: this is all out of the 2008 draft class.
1: This is all out of the 2008 draft class. And you also have, of course, on the high end, two MVPs in Russ and D. Rose, a perennial all-star in love, defensive menaces like Roy Hibbert and DeAndre Jordan, and really great depth. So I thought this one had to be here for me.
0: I ended up leaving the O A draft class off of my list. They are probably the first one. I had to make a judgment call between 2011 and 2008. And Mm -hmm. I thought that 2011, because because they produced a guy like Kyrie Irving, who has won an NBA Finals, Kawhi Leonard, who's been the guy, I just Mm -hmm. felt like they produced more number ones than 2008.
1: Well, I completely agree on that decision. I just think on my list, there was room for both of them. But let's move on. Who do you have at number nine? So,
0: number nine, I thought this class is going to be way higher on my list, the 1999 class. And at the top, I mean, you've got some definitely solid contributors. Baron Davis, a two-time All-Star, two-time steals champ, a uh, career 16-4-7 guy. Ninth pick, Sean Marion, I feel is criminally underrated in basketball circles. I don't think people understand how much of a bucket Sean Marion was in Phoenix. His play style fit the mold of what they wanted to do. Four-time All-Star, two-time All-NBA selection, Sean Marion. 16th pick Ron Artest, close to being an MVP in his shortened 2004-2005 mm-hmm. season. Uh, he was putting up 25-7 to games, and outside of what Ron Artest actually did, I mean, an all-star contributor on a Lakers championship team. Uh, later, 57th pick Manu Ginobili, two-time all-star, two-time all-NBA. We all know Manu off the bench or in the lineup. He could light it up. And I really like the depth here is ultimately why, and of course for right now, why they're above 2011. Like you said, I think in a couple of years, 2011 could be – Maybe top five. I don't know where these guys' careers are going to go, but this list definitely could change. But the depth of 99 is good. Uh, number one pick, Elton Brand, and I maybe could have mentioned him with the above. Oh, X, spot-up shooter, Rip Hamilton, a great contributor on the Pistons teams, and AK-47. Um, the 99's class depth um, is what gets it on my list, but there's not as much top-end talent as some of the classes higher on my list.
1: 99 is not on my list, and the reason for that, I think, is pretty simple. I would argue that Manu Ginobili is probably the best player to come out of this draft class, and to me, that's just not compelling enough. I would rather have 2011, where you have three guys, I would say, clearly, who have already had more historically significant careers, and that's not to criticize Manu, but I would take Clay, I would take Kyrie, and I would take Kawhi's accomplishments all over Manu's, and then you look at the depth, and... Yeah, there are nine all-stars from this draft, but very few multiple-time all-stars. It's guys like Zerbiak, Kurt Kirilenko, Elton Brand, who was really good but had a brief prime. So I just was, I don't know. I think that I saw this draft on a good number of the top 10 lists, and I didn't feel all that compelled by it because, at the end of the day, I think that you have to have historically relevant players at the top to be a great draft class. I didn't really feel like this draft had that. What I had in my number nine spot is the draft from the year before this, the 1998 NBA draft, where only five All-Stars in this draft, but 36 combined All-Star appearances, which tells you that their good guys were good for a long time. You have fourth pick Anton Jamison, fifth pick Vince Carter, of course, both of them out of UNC, ninth pick Dirk Nowitzki, 10th pick Paul Pierce, and 32nd pick Richard Lewis. So it's not actually maybe as much top end talent as we remember it to be, just because Vince... He's an eight-time All-Star, but his peak wasn't – I mean, his peak was high, but it was really only a season or two where he was a legitimate, you know, second-team All-NBA, top-ten guy in the league kind of player. Paul Pierce was never first-team All-NBA, so you do have an MVP in Dirk, but he's also the only one to ever be first-team All-League. But then what this draft really has is a phenomenal batch of good players. Second pick, Mike Bibby, who was, of course, a huge contributor on a team that easily could have won a championship. Third pick, Rafe LaFrance, who – was skilled and had a solid career and maybe would have had a better career if not for injury, Jason Williams, Larry Hughes, Bomsey Wells, Ricky Davis, who was who was a bucket at his best and maybe didn't contribute to winning all that much, but could score. Roshan Asterovich, not a traditional good player, but he was a starter on the 2005 Spurs championship team, so that does matter. Al Harrington, who I was kind of surprised wasn't an all-star because he put up big numbers for a good stretch of his career. Reefer Alston, who, of course, is pretty iconic as just one of the great streetball hoopers-turned-successful NBA stories. Katino Mobley, who I think averaged like 16 a game for his career, so. Only five All Stars, but they're five pretty legitimate All Stars. Like I think Richard Lewis in his prime, that's a legitimate All Star. Same with Anton Jameson, who has over twenty thousand career points, which is a major accomplishment. And then it's the rest of the guys that rounded out. When you consider the iconic Big Three of Dirk, Pierce, and Vince, below belongs a tier below that, but he's still on that bunch. So I had ninety eight here. Who do you have at number eight?
0: Number eight, I have the two thousand and nine draft class, which. Uh, again it's another modern era class that has produced some heavy top 10 talent um especially in today's nba and if i think the 2009 class with what harden and curry do depending on how much more they accomplish in their careers the 09 class could spike because of them but first pick blake griffin um initially i think blake was probably going i think most people thought blake was going to be the best player out of this class i mean when he comes out the gate when he comes out of the gates putting up 21 4 and 9 that's unconscious. James Harden finally moves on to Houston, wins an MVP there. You have another MVP in Steph Curry. And it still astounds me that the Timberwolves took two point guards in this draft class and did not end up with Steph Curry. Mm-hmm. Smooth move, Minnesota. Ninth pick, DeMar DeRozan, still has not pushed his game out to the three-point line, but mm-hmm. he's a great all-star and all-NBA caliber player. Um, some all-star depth here in Drew Holiday and Jeff Teague. And don't get me wrong, there's more talent in the 09 draft class but when you have two MVPs at the top in the top 10 of a draft class I think 09 is mandatorily on the list and I, like I said could potentially be higher um once contextualized uh, at the end of these players careers
1: I agree completely I have 2009 just one spot above this my number 8 is 2011 uh, seven different All Stars, 27 combined appearances, which is going to continue to rise. And we already talked about this class a lot, but it is Kyrie, Kemba, Clay, Kawhi, Vucevic, Isaiah Thomas. It's, and I mentioned there's a lot of quality depth, and I just think that at the end of the day, you know, Kyrie, Clay, and Kawhi, they're not three of the 10 best players of the 2010s, but they are three of the most historically significant, and that is why I had to have it on my list. But I guess I'll talk about 2009 now because I do have it at number seven. Yeah, uh, obviously the distinctive thing here is the two MVPs in Harden and Curry. That's not something that a lot of draft classes have. The 2008 class had it, but I mean, Curry and Harden, as far as their careers in totality, are to me uh, in a different tier than Rose and Westbrook, each of them. And there are good players throughout this draft beyond the All-Stars. You have Tyreek Evans, you have Ricky Rubio, Ty Lawson, Darren Collison, Patrick Beverly, Danny Green, Patty Mills, Taj Gibson, a lot of guys who carved out really solid careers for themselves, who understood their roles and who contributed to winning. Or even a guy like Ty Lawson, who had a higher peak and maybe, you know, wasn't able to extend that because of some off the court issues. But that's a talented player and a relevant player. So for me, the 2009 draft class has always dropped, uh, jumped to the forefront of my mind because it's the one that I was most sentient for. That has been really great because you know Blake Harden, Curry, DeRozan in a draft class, especially, you know, DeRozan has definitely been slandered a bit over the past few years because of the on-off splits, the fact that his teams are always better without him on the floor, the fact that he will would rather shoot a jumper with, you know, the back of his foot on the line than take a step back and make it a three. Like I'm not going to say that he's the winningest player, but, you know, he was a guy who averaged 27 a game on a 50-something win team who Got some early top five MVP candidate buzz in the 2017-18 season when the Raptors were really thriving and he was taking threes and his playmaking improved and he was committing himself a bit more to defense. So I don't think we should disregard what he's done. He's a two-time All-NBA guy. He's a really good, historically relevant player. So the six All-Stars is not the most on this list, but I just think the quality. When you also consider Blake as a guy who at his best was top three in MVP voting, I don't think we should forget how spe- how special Blake was and has been. Even if you look at last year in Detroit, he was exceptional. So I think this is a great class. I think that there's enough depth where it absolutely has to be here and you have it at eight, I have it at seven. What do you have at seven?
0: Uh, number seven is a class you already had on your list as well. I have the 1998 class here. Uh, again, you already talked about it, so I'm not going to stay on it too long. Uh, Dirk and Paul Pierce, I feel like, bring this class up a notch for me. And maybe you could justify '09 9 being above 98 like you did because Curry and Harden is tough to battle. And I think maybe just because Nowitzki and Pierce's careers are finished out because I'd say that Curry has a better resume than both of them already. Mm-hmm. Um, Dirk and Paul Pierce are impressive. And like you said, I think Vince Carter maybe is a little overrated in basketball circles because of how long he played. When was the last time he made an All-Star game?
1: 2000. Seven, somewhere around there Man, it's been that's... a long time
0: <laughs> i give i'll give vince for credit for sticking around the league as long and did you ever mention that this class had antoine jameson as well
1: yep yeah no it's a really Great good player. class for me the thing is if you're comparing the top of this draft i think curry has a better resume than dirk harden by far is a better resume than pierce and call me crazy i think blake griffin has had a better NBA career than Vince Carter. He's just been on more significant teams. He was the co-best player on consistent 50-win teams that people looked at as a potential title favorite, and obviously they ended up kind of underachieving in the playoffs, but they were also in a loaded West. I just, I think that, I think you made a good point when because these guys' careers are over, we have more of a tendency to, you know, uh, appreciate what they did in totality and just because the 2009 guys aren't adding Mm -hmm. to their or are still adding to their resumes doesn't mean that they haven't already done more impressive stuff. And the depth I just thought was better as far as all-star level guys and right below that. So let's move on. Who do you have at
0: number six? Number six, I have the 1970 NBA draft class. Um, First pick Bob Lanier. Is that how you pronounce it Carson? Yep. Bob Lanier, eight time all-star career 2010 and three guy. Rudy Tomjanovich, I did not know he was this much of a baller in his NBA playing days. I remember him much more for being a coach, a five-time All-Star, 17-82 guy. P- Pistol Pete goes with the third pick, and I don't think people – I mean, people give Pete his due, don't get me wrong, uh, for his time at LSU. I don't think people realize Pete was as dominant an NBA player as he um, was. Fourth pick, and this is four strike picks. Bob Lanier, Rudy Tomjanovich, Pete Maravich, fourth pick. Another underrated guy, Dave Cowens. People don't talk about Dave Cowens enough. Eight-time All-Star, three-time All-NBA, um, and an MVP on his resume. Nineteenth pick, Tiny Nate Archibald, a scoring champ and assist champ. Hundred sixth pick, Charlie Scott, and ABA legend Dan Issel. You want to talk depth? Calvin Mercy, uh, Calvin Murphy, excuse me, Sam Lacey, John Johnson, Jeff Petrie. I like the nineteen seventy class. I think that. Name value, I think that there are better classes. Like I think 98 and 09 are better name value-wise, but 1970, when you look at the accolades, I think is right up there with any of the rest.
1: I have 1970 even a couple spots higher. And the reason for that is when you look down the list, there are so many historically relevant names. First of all, there are 12 All-Stars coming out of this class, which is the most of any. And it's just, I mean, you know. So many underrated guys come from this draft class. You have an MVP in Cowens, a scoring champ and a three-time first-team All NBA guy in Archibald, the number eleven ABA NBA combined scorer in Dan Issel. So I'll get into this draft a little bit more even, but I think that this one is really great and maybe the most underrated of all time. At number six, I have the 1987 draft which is a loaded one. You have seven all-stars, only 28 combined all-star appearances from them, but you do have a few really great all-time players. David Robinson going first, Scottie Pippen going fifth, Kevin Johnson seventh, Horace Grant 10th, Reggie Miller 11th, Mark Jackson 18th, Reggie Lewis 22nd. And, you know, these are legitimate all-star guys, even down to the Mark Jackson tier, because he's top five all-time in assists. Reggie Lewis who, of course, tragically died very young, but was a, an incredible scorer of the basketball. Averaged twenty eight a game in the ninety two playoffs when the Celtics made the second round. He was, you know, the leading scorer on a good team. And then with Robinson, you have an MVP and a Defensive Player of the Year. Reggie Miller, only a five time All Star, but I just don't think that's representative of what he meant to basketball and how great he really was. Scotty, obviously, his resume speaks for himself. Kevin Johnson, I think, was first-team All-NBA at some point in his career. And then you have some other real solid players. You have second pick Armand Gilliam, fourth pick Reggie Williams, sixth pick Kenny Smith, who, of course, was you know, a top-four guy on two championship teams. That matters. Ninth pick Derek McKee, who was 11 points per game for his career, two-time All-Defense. Twelfth pick Muggsy Bogues, who I think we should remember and acknowledge was more than a novelty. He was one of the best passers in basketball for the better part of a decade. So this class has the combination of stars at the top and then pretty solid depth to where I think it just has to be here.
0: 87, I have a little higher on my list. It surprises me that, I don't know, I, I think name value has definitely messed with my list a little bit because you mm-hmm. look at the accolades, and I just keep coming back to the 09 class, and Steph Curry and James Harden's resumes, and I just continue to compare them even to the 87 class.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I don't know, you only have one MVP here in 87, and I'm just yeah. wondering how much further can 09 go? I think 09 can
1: continue to rise, but it is more on the back of two guys because if you're looking at the third through fifth or sixth guys, 87's third guy is Reggie Miller. That's pretty darn good. It's fourth guy is Kevin Johnson. You know, that's a heck of a lot better than even Blake and DeRozan, in my opinion, or it's a bit better at least. All right, so let's move into the top five. What do you have at number um, five?
0: Number five, I have the 1985 draft class. And I originally played with this class a little higher, I think. If Arvidas Sabonis gets over here way sooner than his 31-year-old's season, I think that maybe the 87 class could be even – or excuse me, the 85 class could be even higher because Carl Malone, Patrick Ewing, Chris Mullen, Joe Dumars, and then depth-wise – AC Green, Charles Oakley, solid contributors on championship winning teams, Michael Adams, Terry Porter, um, a pretty underrated assist guy, Xavier McDaniel. I mean, Carl Malone did everything but win a ring, and this is just a really solid class. I'm kind of mad that the Knicks got Patrick Ewing because they never did anything with him. They could have taken Malone and well Malone didn't win a ring either. (laughs) Kind of a disappointing draft class is what they actually physically accomplished. So did anybody did anybody win a ring from here, Carson? Well, Dumars. Somebody had to win a ring. Dumars, yeah, you Dumars get a finals MVP.
1: Cheating, but- AC Green obviously is on a few championship teams, but he's far from the engine driving that. I agree. I mean, one of the superstars
0: this. up here.
1: Yeah. Well, then, out of the top, a well, lot of the big two, no. And if you want to consider Mullen or Dumars, that third guy, I mean, Mullen obviously didn't do it. So – I kind of agree when you say this is a disappointing class. There's 10 All-Stars here, 45 combined All-Star appearances. That's a big number. Three separate first-team All-NBA members. Ewing and Mullen both only did it once, but they still got there. And then, as you mentioned, you know Sabonis with the 77th pick, I'd say Basketball Hall of Famer. And he's one of the best non-All-Stars in NBA history just because of, of course, what he did overseas. And even what he did here where he's contributing to some really great Portland teams. You also have 40 pi- 45th pick Hot Rod Williams, who was a really good player. And then you have second pick Wayman Tisdale, who scored over 15 a game in his career. 35th pick Tyron Corbin. 47th pick Gerard Wilkins, who was a career 13 point per game guy. 54th pick Sam Mitchell. 87th pick Spud Webb. And then also Manute Bull, who is just kind of interesting that you have both Spud Webb and Manute Bull from the same draft class, polar opposites of the height spectrum there. But yeah, I mean, there are a lot of good players here. The 10 All-Star numbers, is, it's a bit inflated because if you look at some of them, a guy like Michael Adams, who put up pretty empty numbers on a terrible team that played really fast, or a guy like Charles Oakley, who was really good, but was really more significant as a defensive culture-setting guy, like not a traditional All-Star. Schrempf, yes, he made a couple All-Star teams, but he was more of a, you know, probably more memorable as a great sixth man. Xavier McDaniel definitely put up buckets and made a couple All-Star teams, but I just think that the big four here of Ewing, Mullen, Malone, and Dumars is great, and then there's a lot of really other good, a lot of other really good players. But I just don't think that it was enough for me to put it above of the one that I do have at number four, where I just think that there are a few more historically great players. So let's move on. Who do you have at number four?
0: Number four is another one that you have already discussed: the 1987 class. I thought that you underrated them a little bit. I don't know. I think Reggie Miller's value definitely adds to this class. Scottie Pippen's the greatest sidekick ever. But in comparison to the 85 class, even they Carl Malone and Patrick Ewing, I would say Trump, David Robinson. And actually, I wouldn't say that. I would say I'd take Robinson and Pippen probably over Ewing and Malone just because yep. Pippen has the team aspects. Uh, Kevin Johnson is here. Um, not talking about what he did, you know, off the court. On the court, Kevin Johnson was – A great twenty and ten guy, and a pretty solid rebounder in Phoenix for a little bit too. Reggie Miller, uh, second on the all-time three-point shot, three-point field goals made list. Reggie Miller is a legend. Uh, Depth here, as you already talked about, Horace Grant, Reggie Lewis, Sarunas, Marshall, Lunas. Is I can't believe you didn't bring up uh, Sarunas, Marshall, Lunas. I I was actually really disappointed.
1: I didn't see him. I missed him.
0: How how disappointing?
1: Yeah, seriously, another basketball Hall of Famer.
0: Yeah, and that's the Basketball Hall of Fame. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so 87 is here, and I think that I probably put them up high because of what David Robinson did. David Robinson's career blew me away. I think another guy who's underrated, the MVP, um definitely gets 87 up here for me from David.
1: 87 is a great class. At the end of the day – I think that the one that I have at number four is the most deserving, and I will make that case for you now. I have the 1970 NBA draft here. 12 All-Stars coming out of this draft, 52 combined All-Star appearances. You named them all. uh, I would say 10 of them are legitimately really good players. You can leave Sam Lacey and John Johnson off of that list, but even a guy like Charlie Scott, put up some serious numbers. Randy Smith, Mm -hmm. not the best player ever, but he is the all-time leading scorer for a franchise. That's significant. In non-All-Stars, Jim McMillan never made an All-Star team, which I think is pretty remarkable because he averaged 19 points per game in a title run for one of the greatest teams ever in 72. And there were stretches during those playoffs where he was their leading scorer, outscoring Jerry West and Gail Goodrich and Wilt Chamberlain. Like, he's a really great player, and maybe, actually, I said this about Sabonis, but he's probably the best non-All-Star from any of these classes. And Gar Hurd had a solid career, but I think even when you're looking at the great players from this draft, and I got into this a little bit earlier, but Cowens is an MVP. He is debatably the best player on two championship teams, and you can argue Havlicek as well, but, you know, at le- Cowens is at least sitting on Havlicek's lap on that throne. That was a weird way of putting it, but <laughs> Archibald obviously is the only person to ever lead the league in scoring and assists in the same season. He's you know, one of the great offensive players of all time, and just because he didn't win that much doesn't discredit that. Um, as I mentioned, Issel, the number 11 ABA and NBA combined scorers, Lanier, eight-time All-Star, one of the quieter eight-time All-Stars in NBA history, but just a really consistent bucket on, you know, maybe not the greatest teams in Detroit, but in the end of the day, he was doing his part and he was getting his. Maravich, as you mentioned, I do think it can be kind of underrated as an NBA player just because his peak wasn't that long. He's two-time first-team All-NBA. That's really significant. And then Jeff Petrie, 22 points per game in his brief career. Unfortunately, as happens to all great Trailblazers players, he had a career-ending injury after only six years, I think. But he was, I mean, he was really great and then Calvin Murphy is 18 points per game for his entire career. So I just think that, you know, Tom Yanovich, as you mentioned, a really good quality player for a long time. So I think that if this were a more modern class, I think that this would be the no-brainer number four. And I think that it belongs to be here because maybe it doesn't have a Carl Malone or a David Robinson at the top, but it does have Dave Cowens, who you could argue had, I don't know, the more complete career because he has the MVP and he also has the two titles. So I wouldn't say that he was a better player than either of of them. I just think he's an underrated player. And I think this draft is filled with great underrated players. So I was, I don't know, I just found myself looking at this and comparing it to 85 or 87. And I was like, logically, how can I have this class below? Because there are just more players who matter in the history of basketball in this class, more great players so it ended up not being that difficult of a
0: decision for me to have it at number 4. You have to explain one thing to me though, Carson. Okay. Why did the 1970 NBA draft have 19 rounds?
1: <sighs> I don't know. Why did I don't know why they did it that way? Why did the MLB <laughs> draft have 60 rounds until this year? I don't I don't get the I mean it's even more ridiculous for the NBA cuz you didn't have a minor league system. You had 12 roster spots and you were having 19 rounds of the draft Ah, uh, so i really don't understand why they did it that way for that long and even when they were doing like seven rounds it was still stupid yeah. so if you do want a
0: positive note though yeah think about it if we don't have those crazy rounds arvidas sabonis never gets drafted maybe we don't ever see him in the nba
1: or, you know, I mean, even from this draft class, like Dan Hillson goes 122nd. And of course he ended up going to the ABA first, but there are some great players in this class that went pretty late. And I do think there's still a difference between going undrafted and getting drafted very late. But of course it's completely different now and it has been for our entire lifetime. So let's move on to the undisputed top three classes of all time. And the only way that we can really differ here is the order we put them in. But Logan... Who do you have at number three?
0: Uh, number three, it, it would surprise me if you don't have the 2003 class here as well, because I think that I even think the top two are pretty clear cut. Um, 2003 is impressive, don't get me wrong, but the depth here always let me down, I guess, just because the top is so talented. I mean, LeBron James, the second greatest player of all time, you, you know who LeBron James is. Carmelo Anthony, 10 time All Star scoring champion. I don't want Carmelo to be forgotten for the sands of time. I don't think he will be either, but I think people may disrespect Melo in historical conversations because he doesn't have all these accolades. Mm -hmm. Melo was just a 20-point-per-game bucket in every lineup he ever played in. Uh, Chris Bosh, 11-time All-Star, I think his accolades may be a little inflated because he played the East, but that's a different conversation. Uh, Dwayne Wade, a perennial MVP candidate, scoring champ, all defense. Dwayne Wade is one of the greatest all-around basketball players ever. And I think also – I think Dwayne Wade may be a little underrated historically because Mm -hmm. he played alongside LeBron and had to play sidekick. 18th pick, another underrated guy, David West. I think people Mm -hmm. forget how good David West was in New Orleans alongside Chris Paul. I mean, he was the second-best player on a team that – what, they went to the – they were the number one seed in the West or went to a conference championship. They went Mm -hmm. deep in the playoffs. Uh, The depth here is – it's all right. Chris Kamen, okay center. Josh Howard, I wish his peak could have been a little longer. He was a really talented player in Dallas, and then you have great shot maker and well, two great shot makers in Mo Williams and Kyle Korver. The top of this draft is nearly unrivaled.
1: Yeah, I think the 2003 is a clear cut third, and it is saved by those four of the first five picks, and I guess five. You know, let's throw Darko in there so he doesn't become (laughs) sad. But there's nine All Stars in this class. That's kind of a fake number because Kamen, Josh Howard, Mo Williams, and Kyle Korver, those are not your traditional all-star level guys. But on the flip side of that, when you have four 10-plus time all-stars, and yes, you made a great point with Bosch, he's only one-time all-NBA, so that is definitely an inflated all-star number because he played in the East and because he played alongside LeBron. Still, he's a great player, and he's a historically significant player who was on a mini-dynasty, D-Wade. The clear best player on a championship team had an all-time finals performance. That really matters. So, you know, the depth is not great here. As far as non-all-stars, the next guys I would say are Kirk Heinrich, Boris Giao, and Leandro Barbosa. Barbosa's a sixth man of the year. It's not a sorry bunch, but it certainly doesn't compare to the depth of, say, 96 or I think the depth of even some of the ones below on this list, the difference maker is it has LeBron, Melo, Bosh, and Wade, and it will always be iconic for uh, the four of them.
0: So let's move on. Who do you have at number two? Number two, I have the 1996 class, and the 96 class is definitely impressive. Um, depth-wise, of course, and how many talented players are here, but, I just – I don't think 96 holds a candle to 84. We'll run it down here. Um, Allen Iverson, first pick, MVP, four-time scoring champion. Marcus Camby, Defensive Player of the Year, um, four-time all-defense. Uh, your boy uh, from California, Sharifa Abdurrahim, one-time Ooh. all-star. And an underrated 20-point-per-game scorer for six seasons. I mean, he was a killer in, uh, for the Grizzlies. Uh, Stephon Marbury is here, two-time all-star, two-time All-NBA third-team selection. Ray Allen. Uh, second best three-point shooter I've seen with my own eyes, a contributor on a championship team, Antoine Walker, all-star, three times and NBA champion. Kobe, top ten NBA player of all time, Um, another player in the class that won an MVP, 14th pick, Paige Stoyakovic, Steve Nash, an MVP. And then if you're talking about these guys' depth, this is why I think the '96 class is so impressive. Mm -hmm. Jermaine O'Neal, Zydrunas Ilgalskis, Derek Fisher, And Ben Wallace are all depth guys in this class. And Mm -hmm. if you don't have Ben Wallace here, he didn't get drafted, so it doesn't really count, but it counts. those are your depth guys. That's crazy for one draft class.
1: Yeah, so this is honestly a really tough decision for me between 96 and 84. I have gone on the record before I made a YouTube video saying that (laughs) 96 was the greatest ever. And throughout this process, I went back and forth. The reason I hold 96 in such high regard is because of the legitimate all-star and great players you're getting from this class. And it's both the depth and the historical town at the top. There are three separate MVPs in this class in Iverson, Kobe, and Nash. There are two more guys who finished top four in MVP voting in Kejah and Jermaine O'Neal. Jermaine O'Neal, I think his peak is really underrated by our generation. He was an exceptional player. You have a Depoy in Marcus Camby and another Depoy in Ben Wallace. If you, again, count him, you have seven players or actually I believe eight players if you count Ben Wallace who were all NBA. You have six scoring titles. There's 60 something combined all-star appearances between these guys, which is the most of all time. So if you are valuing depth, No one else compares 68 combined all-star appearances across this class. When you compare that to 84, which is just only 53. And I do feel like that's a telling number as far as, you know, how many quality players and how many quality seasons you get out of a draft class. You also have non-all-stars like, you know, Derek Fisher, a really good player on a bunch of championship teams. There are the guys with the flashy numbers. Marbury had the brief peak, but it was a pretty brilliant peak. Antoine Walker, maybe not the, Greatest player, probably a frustrating player, but at the end of the day, a pretty darn good one. So I understand why I had this one above it, but I think at the end of the day, I might have tried to get a little too cute with it because when you look at it, 1984 has four of the probably 20 greatest players to ever play basketball, maybe 25 if you are, I mean, certainly 25. That's kind of unbeatable. And so even though 96 has three separate MVPs, has so many great players, I would say almost a handful more great players than 84. It's, you can't tell the story of basketball without any of the big four from 1984. And I, you know, I kind of think you can tell the story of basketball without Ray Allen or Peja Stojakovic or Jermaine O'Neal. So, you know, it's obviously something slight is missing, but it's just not the same as those 1984 guys. So it's close. It'll always be close for me, maybe closer than most. But at the end of the day, I had to give the edge to the, the one with four top 20 guys of all time. So we agree there. We both have 1984 at number one, give the people the rundown.
0: I'm not going to fault anyone. Like you said, for having 96 above 84. And Mm -hmm. the telling factor for me was, When MJ went to play baseball, who was the best player in basketball? It was Hakeem Olajuwon. Mm -hmm. And you're getting the two best players in basketball in the same draft? It's a wrap. Um, Hakeem, one of the greatest centers of all time, offensively and defensively. Two time Defensive Player of the Year. Nine time all defense. Third pick is the greatest basketball player of all time. You already know. MJ. Sam Bowie. You know what? I feel bad for Sam Bowie, man. He wasn't that bad. No, it was just injuries. He was just sandwiched between two of the greatest players at their individual positions. And he got hurt. Yeah.
1: It's a classic Trailblazer story. It's been happening since
0: Jeff Petrie. The coldest story ever told lives in Portland, man. Seriously. Fifth pick, Charles Barkley. um, Outlifted Shaq. That's impressive. Also won an MVP if you care about basketball. Uh, Seventh pick, Alvin Robertson. Great defensive perimeter defender. I hadn't really read up into Alvin Robertson a lot. His career um, impressed me just reading about his prowess defensively. Yeah, Ninth pick, Otis Thorpe, NBA champion. 16th pick, John Stockton, one of the greatest point guards of all time. Depth-wise here, not as solid, but, I mean, when you have Hakeem, MJ, Barkley, it doesn't really matter, and Stockton. Uh, Farmville's very own, Jerome Kersey. Shout-out, Jerome. Mm -hmm. Rest in peace, Jerome. Uh, And then you have Sam Perkins shooting big man and a guy who just never stopped playing basketball in Kevin Willis.
1: Yeah, I think that you you hit all the points there. The depth is solid. I think Alvin Robertson is the Alvin Robertson is the clear fifth best player out of this class, which you know does not compare to PageR Jermaine O'Neal. But that's not really all that significant at the end of the day. I think. I mean, that's what makes it close between these two draft classes. But when you have three separate depoys, three separate MVPs, four multiple time first team All NBA members four 10-plus times All-Stars, and 10-plus times All-NBA. Akeem, MJ, Barkley, and Stockton all made at least 10 All-NBA teams. You have three-plus scoring, rebound, steal, assists, and block champs. That is, you know, uh, they dominated the league for 15-plus years. And then you do have other quality players like Perkins and Kersey and all the guys that you mentioned who are good Otis Thorpe, I do think gets a little underrated. He's the second leading scorer on a championship team in 94 for the Rockets. Obviously, that's Akeem's show, but Otis Thorpe is there and he's contributing. So, I, at the end of the day, I don't know. I love 96 because it just has more guys that I think slip under the radar and is just the greatest depth of any draft class of all time as far as real quality, historically relevant players but the big four from this class is pretty unbeatable in my opinion. So let's look at some honorable mentions. Were there any really close cuts for you? And if so, who were they?
0: Uh, yeah, 2008, as you mentioned early on, mm-hmm. um, was really close for me. I mean, when you have Rose, Westbrook, Love, Gallinari, there's a lot of impressive ability in that draft class. Uh, 81 was close, nine All-Stars. I just – Mark Aguirre, Danny Ainge – Tom Chambers, Larry Nance. I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. They definitely don't compete with some of the other classes. And yeah. us, 79, the uh, Magic Johnson year was uh, pretty close. Bill Lambeer, Mark mm-hmm. Eaton. My honorable
1: mentions, I would say 2001, you have eight all-stars from that class, 27 combined all-star appearances. Tyson Chandler, who's you know, also a depoy, Pau Gasol, Joe Johnson, Zach Randolph, Gerald Wallace, Tony Parker, Gilbert Arenas, Mehmet Core. Those are the all-stars. And then you have other quality guys like Jason Richardson, Shane Battier, Richard Jefferson, Troy Murphy, Brendan Haywood. It's a pretty good class. I just didn't think it compared to 08 because of the fact that 08 has two MVPs and then also Kevin Love. And I like the depth even more. And then 1960 was one I considered basically only because they have uh, Oscar Robertson and Jerry West going number one and number two overall. Those are two of the probably 15 greatest players of all time. And that's, it's pretty remarkable to actually not make the list when you have those two guys. But if you look at the rest of this draft, it just kind of sucks. There's only three more all-stars third pick Daryl. Eimhoff, who uh, is a Cal bear. I've seen his Jersey hanging on the rafters at the Haas pavilion for many years, but he wasn't actually that good. Fifth pick Lee Schaefer, who I've, I don't know if I've ever heard of him. So, you know, that tells you something. <laughs> Lenny Wilkins, I would say, is the only other legitimate all-star from this class. And then you have Tom Sanders, who, of course, was relevant on those Celtics teams. Al Addles, who was more relevant as a coach all-time. But I just wasn't enough besides Oscar and West. So it ended up being that my 10th choice wasn't all that difficult. So I think that this one was a lot of fun. You know, there are so many hugely memorable ones like 84, 96, and 03. And um, this was a fun one. So that's going to do it for us here today. I've been Carson Brabber. I have been Logan Camden. And this was NerdSense.